If you are uh, aware visibly of what, what happens in your surroundings, you may notice that the pyramids uh, up on the altar and pulpits and up on the wall have changed. Uh, we've gone from green to white, and it's going to change again uh, here in a couple of days. But uh, the Sunday of Epiphany is the last Sunday in the season, excuse me, the Sunday of Transfiguration is the last Sunday in the season of Epiphany, uh, when usually we read about Jesus going up on the mountain, being transfigured, and uh, being seen by his closest disciples in all of his heavenly glory. This coming Wednesday, we begin the season of Lent uh, with our Ash Wednesday service. Uh, we have a service here in the sanctuary at 7.30 in the evening, and uh, at that service we will receive the imposition of ashes, the ashes on our foreheads, uh, a reminder of our mortality. Uh, we will also hear the promise of Jesus in the Holy Sacrament as we receive his promise of presence, forgiveness, and salvation. I invite you to be part of that service this coming Wednesday. Hope to uh, see you here. Other announcements for today, if you know Jim Loffman, who usually attends our first service, it's his birthday today, and Jim Reiner, who is also a first service attendee, uh, Jim and his wife Emily are celebrating their 12th anniversary today, so we're, we will remember them in our prayers as well. Two weeks from today, on the 25th of February, in the Fireside Room, concurrent with this service, uh, Pastor David Bowman will be presenting content from his new book titled, Perish the Thought, a memoir in ministry. He'll be reading some uh, uh, vignettes from the book, open discussion, signed copies of his book will be available. If that's something that you want to be part of two weeks from today, you might consider coming to first service that, that day and then... Uh, attend over in the fireside room. Those are the announcements for today. It's good to have you here. I invite you to stand as we begin with our call to worship from Psalm 27. Psalmist says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? O oh Lord God, we come into this place of sanctuary and we recognize that you are present with us. We also understand that if you are by our side, there is nothing we need fear in this life. And so we pray that you would bring us your comfort Bring us the assurance of your presence and grant us confidence in living that we might leave this place enriched, empowered, and strengthened to be your servants in your world. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today is the day that the Lord has made. And let us join together in our opening song.
God. 
see just that, uh, a God who moves the mountains for a man born blind. The congregation may be seated, and I invite the children to come forward for the children's message. Good morning, kiddos. <laughs> I got some highs from the audience. Some of the grown-ups think that they're kids today, huh? <laughs> oh, hello. How are you guys doing? It's good to see you. I'm glad you're all here today. Um, so we have a very special holiday coming up. Valentine's, thank you. Um, so I brought you guys some Valentine's because I do like Valentine's Day a lot. And um, they're all very different. So some of them are punny, if you know what puns are. Some of them are punny. If you saw the B movie, this one says, buzzing your way to wish you a happy Valentine's Day. Somebody want that one? Punny? You like puns? Um, I have some that are like scratch off, kind of like playing the lottery. That's fun. You like, oh, she wants that one. Yeah, anyone else? I've got extra. Those are super fun. Um, I have my favorite. You guys know my favorite. Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, how about the Lion King? Do you guys like the Lion King? No? You want the scratch? She doesn't like the Lion King, guys. Um, how about Winnie the Pooh? You like Winnie the Pooh? No? He does? Okay, this one's for you. This one. This one. That's Winnie the Pooh. You can have them both if you want. Happy Valentine's. Okay, I've got the ones that you can scratch off. You want that one? Yeah. Will you tear this for me, Ella? Tear those off for me and give her one. Okay, so I brought all these Valentines today because in Sunday school, we're going to talk about making Valentine's Day. This one says, you are the perfect Valentine. That's for you. You don't want it? He's not impressed. Yeah? Okay, um, so we're going to talk today about Valentine's because... I want to show you guys my favorite Valentine. The best one I've ever gotten in the entire world. It is this. It's not pretty. It's not glittery. It's not, I love glitter. They know that. It's not super special. It doesn't have hearts. But this symbol represents the most amazing love that I have ever had. And it represents God sending his son because he loves us so much that he sent him to die for us, to save us. So we are going to talk in Sunday school about sending a valentine back to God. However, it's not going to be like these paper valentines. It's going to be more like this. Not something flashy, not something with glitter, but something that we do with our hearts. So it's not a paper valentine. We're not going to send something to God like that. But we're going to show him that we appreciate his love and what he did for us. This valentine's by being the Christians that he wants us to be. Will you guys pray with me? Dear God, thank you for loving us so much that you sent your son for me. Help us to love you and love others the way that you love us. In your name we pray. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Alyssa. Thank you, kids, for coming up. And I invite the congregation to please stand as we continue with the prayer of confession and word of forgiveness. 
We read in the book of Proverbs, the one who conceals his sins will not prosper, but the one who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. Hearing this word and knowing that we have a compassionate God, let us confess our sins. Gracious God, we confess before you our sin today. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not loved as you have loved us. Show us our sins, O Lord, and give us the strength to forsake them and to follow in your steps for the sake of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We take some moments now of silent reflection as God will show us our hearts. And now hear the good news. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. It is the Lord's will that sinners turn from their ways and live. In his love, God our Heavenly Father has given his Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins, that we might be forgiven, walk in newness of life, and serve others to the glory of God. I therefore declare to you, your sins are forgiven. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated as we continue with the song, Beautiful One.
Continue our worship, singing of God's faithfulness. You have my heart, and I am yours forever. You are my strength, God of grace and strength, God of grace and power. The Lord be with you. And also with you. 
Let us pray. Eternal Lord, your kingdom has broken into our troubled world through the life, death, and resurrection of your Son. Help us to hear your word and obey it, so that we become instruments of your redeeming love. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We continue with the reading of God's Word. Our lector this morning is Colin Campbell. Good morning. Our first reading from God's Word is from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 35, beginning at verse 3. The reading begins on page 749 in the Red Bibles. In this passage, the prophet declares that when God comes to save his people through the Messiah, many signs will accompany him, healing for the blind, deaf, lame, and mute. It will be a time of great joy and peace. Isaiah 35, verse 3 through 6. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution, he will come to save you. Then with the eyes, will the eyes of the blind be open and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame deer leap, leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Here ends the first reading for today. Our next reading is from the Apostle Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. The reading begins on 1210. In this passage, the Apostle expresses transparency before God and man. He rejoices that God has made his light shine in his heart and has brought him to his faith. 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 6. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Here ends our second reading. Thank you, Colin. I invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel for today. In the Holy Gospel this morning, according to St. John, the ninth chapter, page 1,121. As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, 
But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, 
You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. Well, dearly beloved of God, grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, maybe you can remember back to those days when your children, your children were little. Some of you know that today. Uh, they were little and they still were right around your legs, you know, being close to you, wrapping their arms around your knees. They'd still, you know, reach up to have you pick them up and happy for you to carry them. And then as they got older, as you walked along with them, you could reach down for their hand and they would willingly allow that as you walked with them. And then it seems so quickly, those kids grew up and they hit the preteen years. And the first time it happened, you were driving them to school and they said, Mom, can you stop here? Don't embarrass me or the school. You might have heard things like, don't embarrass me. And what really they were saying, and really what you don't want to admit, is that they did not want to be identified with you. Ouch. The young man in high school had come alive in his faith. All those words of the Sunday school teachers and the pastors during confirmation, all those seeds that were planted, finally started to bear fruit. His eyes were opened. Faith came alive. He couldn't get enough of God, couldn't get enough of the Bible. And so he thought to himself, you know, when lunch break comes at school, I want to read the Bible. And so what did he do? He took that Bible and hid it in his backpack and took it with him to school. He hid it like some illegal assault weapon. And he got to school, and as that lunch hour approached, he began, he began to feel concerned. What if my friends see me? What if they see me reading this holy book? He was one of the three closest disciples to Jesus. He was in the inner circle. He was one of the three who were up there on the Mount of Transfiguration and saw Jesus in all of his heavenly glory. And then he was standing there by the fire, warming himself, when a slave girl came to him and asked him, are you one of his disciples too? He took the question as an accusation. 
and denied it. I don't know the man, he said. He did not want to identify with this Jesus. Let us pray. Almighty God, this day you come to us and you ask us, can I get a witness? Will someone speak for me? Will someone not be ashamed and identify himself, herself with me? We pray, O Lord, that your word would come into our lives this day, that you would take hold of our hearts, that you would work your will in us and show us your way. Open our eyes that we might see. Amen. What we have before us in John chapter 9, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. You might be thinking to yourself, pastor says that quite often. (laughs) I wonder if that's true. This truly is one of my favorite passages in Scripture, John chapter 9. Before we dive into John 9, I think it's important for us to kind of get the context of where Jesus is and what he's up to. In the past chapter, chapter 8, we find that Jesus is with his disciples, and they are there in Jerusalem, they're in the temple, and they're having conversation with the people who are there. In the midst of their conversation, as it becomes heated, Jesus is accused of being a Samaritan and of being demon-possessed. Did you know that? That Jesus was accused of having a demon? The conversation is very heated. And Jesus, defending himself, says, Our father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And they step back and say, What are you talking about? You're not yet 50 years old. How can you claim to see Abraham? And then Jesus says the words, Truly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, when the Jews who were in the temple heard those words, those Jewish ears were immediately propelled back to the days of Moses. Do you remember Moses at the burning bush when he was surprised by God? When God met him there and told him the plans that God had for Moses in his life? That God was going to use him to rescue his people from their slavery? And Moses is just blown away and overwhelmed by this situation. He can't even think straight. He's got so many questions, he doesn't know what to do. One of the questions he asks is, if I go down to Egypt, and I say to them that I have been sent here to rescue the people, who do I even say sent me? And the response was, tell them I am sent you. Tell them I am sent you, the one who was, the one who is, the one who always will be. Tell them I am sent you. So when Jesus says those words in the temple, before Abraham was, I am, the Jews know what he is claiming. They pick up stones and they're about to stone him to death for blasphemy. But at the end of chapter 8, it says, Jesus went out of the temple, which sets the stage for chapter 9. 
Jesus goes out of the temple. His disciples are with him. And there at the temple gates, he sees a man who has been blind from birth. Now, John tells us that this is the case. There's no question that this man has never seen the light of day. This man's blind from birth, and immediately the disciples ask their teacher, their rabbi, a question. Rabbi, tell us, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? Now, I find it interesting, and how often is this the case for us, that here this man is blind, but he's not deaf. They're having this conversation in his presence as if he's not a human entity, as if he's just a thing. They're talking about this guy. Who sinned? Who is to blame for this, for his situation? I love what Jesus does with this. Jesus doesn't get into the question of who sinned. Jesus doesn't get into blame or the cause of this. Jesus talks about what do we do right now? And he says we must work the work of God. This, the reason for this, is for the works of God to be displayed in him. What do we do with this situation? We must work the works of God. And he says we must do so while it is day. While we have opportunity. Now how much is this like that Latin phrase, carpe diem? Huh? Seize the day. Make the most of the opportunity. It is still day, Jesus says. There will come a time when we don't have the opportunity, but we do right now. So let's make the most of it. You can imagine this man seated there. Most of us know that when one sense, when one of our senses is dulled, the others become magnified or heightened. And so this man was hearing the conversation that was happening around him, and then the conversation stopped. And the man waited, and then he heard. <laughs> And then this mud-making man spoke. Go. Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And this man, even in his unsighted state, knew how to get there. And he did. And he did. Remarkable. And, and he came back seeing. Now what I find remarkable in this passage is so far this man has said Nothing. This man has not come up to Jesus and bowed down before him and begged him, Lord, please, please give me my sight. He has done nothing to bring this on. Jesus is the one who has initiated this. And what happened? This man's life is forever changed. And it won't come without a cost. What happens? This man is returning from being able to see, having this event take place at the pool of Siloam. And as he's coming back, his neighbors see him. 
And just like the disciples at that gate, the neighbors start to talk about him without first addressing him. Who, look at this guy. Isn't he the guy who used to sit at the gate and beg? I remember his sign. Remember that sign that he had there? Somebody must have written it for him. Isn't that the guy? Yeah, I think it is. No, I think he just looks like him. They're talking about him without addressing him. Some say yes, some say no. Finally, they ask him. And the guy keeps insisting, it's me. Or for you grammatical purists, it is I. <laughs> I'm the one. I'm the same guy. I am that dude at the temple gate. I'm the one. What happened? What happened to you that you can see? A man they call Jesus, made some mud, slapped it on my eyes, sent me to Siloam and told me to wash. I did, and now I can see. They're amazed. What do they do? They take him to the Pharisees. Now remember, when Jesus and his disciples met him, where was the man located? He's located outside the temple. But now they bring him into the temple to speak with the Pharisees. This may have been the first time this blind man who was outside the temple, not allowed within those gates, it could have been the first time he was ever there because now he can see. So now it is not off limits to him. And now the Pharisees begin to question him. And you probably have noticed that John chapter 9 is almost like a courtroom scene. We have someone who is going to bear witness. Others who will be brought forward to give their part. And we'll see what happens, what the cost is to bear witness to Jesus. And so the Pharisees address him and ask him what happened. He tells them the same story as he told his neighbors. This man named Jesus, he made mud, he slapped it on my eyes, he sent me to, to go to Siloam to wash, I did, and now I can see. And we read that Jesus had done this on the Sabbath. And so the judgment is, some will say, this man cannot be from God. He's doing things that are not allowed on the Sabbath. And others will say, how could someone who is a sinner do such things. And it says that the Pharisees were divided. What are the Pharisees going to do now? They've got this case that they cannot refute. This man who had been blind, but now he can see. How do they deal with it? Well, some of them said, maybe he wasn't born blind. Let's get some evidence for this. Let's see his birth certificate. Yes, even a couple thousand years ago, this was still going on, right? Let, let me have evidence that he was truly born blind. This year, so they get his parents. They come up into the stand, so to speak, and they ask him, is this your son? Yes, he is. Was he born blind? Yes, he was. So how do you explain it? He's of age. Ask him. We don't know how it happened. 
We don't know who did it. Ask him. And what do we read in Scripture? Why did they do that? Because anyone who confessed that Jesus is the Messiah of God was booted out of the temple, put out of the synagogue, and they did not want that. So, whether they threw their son under the bus or what, but they didn't defend him. Ask him. He can answer for himself. And so, we get into a very humorous part of this passage, right? As the Pharisees again bring the man up into the stand. So, tell us what happened to you. And then this guy is like, how many times do you want to hear it? You didn't hear me the first time when I told you. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to be his disciples too? You can just sense the humor and the tension and how the Pharisees did not want to hear that. You are his disciple. They speak truly. For this man is a witness to Jesus. He is a witness as people observe him. He is a witness through his actions. He is a witness through his words. He tells the story. Do you want to be his disciple too? We are disciples of Moses. We know where Moses came from, but as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. And then you can kind of see this formerly blind man chuckling there. <laughs> that is truly remarkable. Really. You don't know where this man came from. We know that God does not hear sinners, right? But God hears the righteous man. And you and I, as readers of the gospel, we know where this Jesus has come from. In the first chapter, the opening chapter of John, he tells us that this Jesus was in the beginning with God. That this word became flesh and dwelt among us. That Jesus was from the Father. We know where Jesus has come from. The Pharisees say, we don't even know where this man comes from. How could it be that this one could open my eyes if he were not from God? And the Pharisees have had it. They say to him, you were steeped in sin from birth. They provide the answer to the question the disciples had at the very beginning, right? Who sinned, Rabbi? This man or his parents? They are quick to assign blame, these Pharisees. You were born entirely in sins, and do you pretend to teach us? Which is exactly what he is doing. What happens next? They put him out of the temple. They put him out of the temple. Next week, we will look at John chapter 10, where Jesus talks about himself as the good shepherd, the one who cares for his sheep, the one who tends to them when they go out and come in from their pasture, the good shepherd who goes out to seek the lost sheep, even as he does right now. For as this bl formerly blind man is put out of the synagogue, and Jesus hears that he is put out of the synagogue, 
Where does Jesus go? He goes right where that man is. He finds him, as the good shepherd does. And he invites him into a deeper relationship with him. The man recognizes Jesus. He bows down and worship before him. He is a disciple. He is a witness to our Lord. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. The man not only received his physical sight, but spiritual sight to see who Jesus was and is. Let us pray. Our Lord Jesus, we thank you for your amazing grace. We thank you for the initiative which you took on this man's life, the initiative you take in our lives as well. We thank you for the amazing grace and gift of faith that you have created in hearts here present today. And for those hearts that still remain closed to you, O oh Lord, we pray that you would work your miracle once again, that you would slap that mud on the eyes of our hearts, that we might see, that we might know that through you we are washed, we are sanctified, we are justified. In Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
you to stand and join with me as we bear witness to our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Almighty God, we give you thanks and praise this day for your people through amazing grace, for the work that you have done through your people throughout history, the work that you are doing in our midst this day. We pray, O Lord, that we would worship you with all that is within us, and that we would carry out your will. Lord, in your mercy. 
Holy God, you are the healer of all. We pray that you would heal and make whole all that is broken, that you would speak truth to all illusions and shed light in every place. We lift before you this morning your servants, Michael Turner, Carrie Casey, and Tom Kidd. We thank you, O Lord, that you know their needs and that you are active in their lives. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, we lift before you your servants, Jim Loffman and Jim and Emily Reiner, as they celebrate birthday and anniversary this week. Look upon them with your favor and grace. Open their eyes to how they can serve in your kingdom. Lord, in your mercy. We pray this morning for Pastor John Friesman and his ministry at Holy Redeemer Church, that your will would be done there in that place for your glory. We pray for Senators Kamala Harris and Diane Feinstein, that you would empower them for service, grant them wisdom to make decisions that are good for your people. We pray for peace among nations, between peoples, within legislative bodies, in academic halls, on schoolyards, and around kitchen tables in every home. Lord, in your mercy. And finally, O oh Lord, we pray for the church's mission to proclaim your good news, to be witnesses to you, that the world might know you. May the new life possible in faith break open all people to love each other. We pray for our missionaries, the Stone family in Turkey, the Pixleys in Croatia, the Wicks in Cartagena, and the Shalhubs in the Middle East and North Africa. Lord, in your mercy. It is into your hands, O Lord, that we commend all for whom we pray. With these prayers and any others we ought to lift before you, trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. We continue with our offering. Gracious God, with heartfelt thanks for your abundant provision, we offer to you these gifts from our hands. May they serve to support the ministry and mission of your church to the honor and glory of your holy name. Amen. 
Thanks. Now here in this place, we remember that in the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. We join together in singing our Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, the glory are yours now and forever. beloved of God, this is the Lord's table. All are welcome to join in this celebration feast. Please come at the direction of our usher this morning. All-consuming fire, though my heart desire, and I love you dearly. Consolation, and I 
I invite you to stand for the close of our service today. I want to thank you all for your presence here uh, today at Emmanuel on this uh, Sunday of the Transfiguration. Uh, your presence uh, matters to those around you. Uh, you increase uh, the experience of others. So thank you for being present here. And I invite you all back uh, this coming Wednesday at 7.30 for our Ash Wednesday gathering. Receive now the blessing for the journey. And now the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvelous deeds, bless you and keep you in his grace. Amen. And now let's sing of that amazing grace.
Thank you, Pastor. Still in the room. You guys have a great week. Thank you so much. Mikey, you want to say something? Thank you.